Welcome to Power Talk Podcast, where the talk is interesting, informative, and powerful. Well, praise the Lord. I've been looking forward to giving this. It's important for this day and this hour. I pray that you've been praying that these, these prayers, if you got them in your email, I know that there was like we had a problem with the first couple of emails. They weren't coming out properly. So hopefully you re-looked at your emails. We sent you texts. If you're not getting texts, or emails, then it's a good possibility that you haven't been filling out your your guest cards or whatever uh, and keeping us updated on the information as it changes. We need those changes because it's the only way we can contact you. So that way, if you say you're a part of this church and you want to do what God shared with you, then you need to make sure that you stay connected with what God shares with us so that way you can be a part of it. Uh, Because God knows that the more prayer there is all together in unity, the more He's ready to move on our behalf. So I pray that you've been praying these prayers. The first prayer here, uh, if you don't have these, you can get them back on the information booth. But this one here is for you. Look, if we're going to be transformed into his likeness, and we all deal with emotions, and Satan is attacking extremely hard in this day and time. He's hitting us with with delusions and uh, things of oppression, uh, deception, but confusion, you name it, he's hitting us. So at the end of service, go in the back, and this prayer is for you. You can pray this. You can start off your day with this. This is a good prayer. Then the second one here is for as, as a whole, as a church. There's things that we're believing for for this year that God is going to continue to add to over the next few years. But this year, what he's wanting us to pray is specific for this church. And if we come together as a body of believers by faith, God will answer these things. In fact, he already has. We're already seeing him do many things, and I'm sure we'll give you those testimonies later on. But, but I want you to know, it is vital and important that we come together and believe. And that's why this time of fasting to start off the year right, where we're saying, God, we're willing to sacrifice a little bit so that way you can move a whole lot. Amen? And so God just loves us enough that, that he, he cares about our needs. So anyway, I want to get into this message. This is part three. I'm sorry. I mean, as you can see that we've had a lot of people missing, man. We were, a lot of people were sick last week. Um, for some of us, it hit, hit harder than others. It didn't hit me that hard, but it hit Pastor Cindy. So keep her in prayer, you know, and, and, uh, is, and it hit several of the others, I know, pretty hard. And uh, we want everybody back next week, amen. So keep praying for the church in general against this sickness. We don't need to. We, we, God wants us to live healthy. And you know what? It, if we got to pray through to get our health, then just keep praying through. God wants you to he- live healthy. So um, anyway, um, lastly, you know, last week or the last couple of weeks, I've, I've been sharing, you know, we're talking about times and seasons and numbers, and I haven't really got into the depth of that, except that the Lord showed me that we're living in a time and a season where things begin to overlap because of the sin of men, sin of man, and I, I shared that with you in scripture over the last couple of weeks, and so I won't go over it too much more today, but, but I want you to know this, that as seasons change in the world, so do seasons in the spirit. And because seasons in the spirit change, God wants you to know that he is setting you up for success in these day and times. When the world is failing and falling apart, God has a plan for success for us to be above it all. You know, when, when Noah went through the flood, you know, you, we could say, man, that was a terrible time. The time and season that Noah lived in was terrible, but the spiritual thing that God did for him was successful. 
It saved him and brought him through a lot of stuff. That's exactly what God wants to do with our lives in this last day, is that he wants to put us above the situation that even though it's going on below us, the turmoil, do you know that you can get through this time? You can get through it unharmed. Oh, yeah, you're going to experience it because it's, it's around you whether you like it or not. We can't stop problems. What we can do is live above them, though. And you live above them with the Lord. And so we're, we've, we've learned one thing is that 2021 taught us that unpredictability and disruption are here to stay. It's here to stay. It ain't going away. And as long as man continues this digression uh, and this road leading towards a path of rebellion against the things of God, it's just going to compound like interest upon itself one day after another, one week after another, one month and one year after another. And they're compounding it. So this is why change is occurring so frequently in the world. Remember, like I said, you, you, you can be living high today and in the unemployment line tomorrow, especially if you're in the world. And so, like I say, there's unpredictability, and that's, let me tell you, I mean, we've seen supply chain shortages, we've seen the nations railing against us, we've seen no new COVID variants, the rise of cryptocurrency. We're talking packages, packaged deliveries. I mean, think about it. How many of us don't even leave our houses anymore? We just have Amazon delivered or Fed Express, right? Uh, it's what I, and then what I call hybrid church, the hybrid church is starting to form. And what does that mean? That means that we can now do it online if we have to. Now, that's not God's desire. But my point is, is that it's changed everything as we know it. There are some churches that will never go back to meeting in person because they like the hybrid church. Why? Because they, behind the scenes, they are not accountable or responsible to nothing or no one, and they can hide their sin and yet say they watched and went to church in front of the boob tube, well, it's not called the boob tube anymore. The TV was called the boob tube in my day, but your computer or whatever device you use, you can sit in front of it and nobody will ever know what kind of lifestyle they live. You know what's great about church is that you're accountable the moment you step in here because whether you believe it or not, and this is what the church doesn't like, but it used to be great at one time, is that we can see through you. I can see through you. You can see through me. Look, if we're going to live wrong, it's gonna, you're going to be seen through. You know why that's good? Because if you have a brother or sister that loves you, what they do is they correct you in the things of God, and we get back in line. There's no other, other entity that's like that. You know, see, in the world, the world tells you to mind your own business. God says, don't you mind your business. You correct them. I like God's business. You know why we stay true to the things of God? Because we have other brothers and sisters that care about the sin that we might be leading in, living in, or following, or falling to. You see, because when we serve God, God's like saying, man, don't let them fall. I love them too much. They're, they're not so far away that we can't get them back. Why would he leave the 99 for the one? Because the one got a little rebellious. The one thought the pasture was greener on the other side of the fence. That's why. But he still cares about that one. And you know what that means? He's going to have to probably correct you and prod you and get you back in the right pasture. But nonetheless, that prodding, I'm telling you, at the end of the day, when you make it into heaven, you'll be glad he did. Amen? And so this is what I love about the church and us being able to gather face to face is that we love each other so much. It's not that we're here to point fingers, but we're here to say, come, this, you know, this is pointing. This is what the world likes to do, but this is what God does. That's a big difference. And yeah, there's conviction in that. It's like, oh, I know I shouldn't have done that. It's all right. Come on back. Come on back. Right? 
That's his love for us. So don't ever, don't ever take that for granted as if that's being mean. That's, that's his love. Man, mm, that's a message in itself. I'll preach on that someday, hey? But so here's the things that's happened. I mean, the questions, uh, the, the questions church members and leaders have been preoccupied with over the last couple of years now has been, can we reopen? And if so, how? Who's coming and who's not coming? Let me tell you, that's the biggest question. I know because I get emails from, from men that are the gurus of church growth and all this stuff. And that's been one of the biggest questions that they've been dealing with. Um, is it online or is it digital? You know, is it hybrid? Is hybrid the future? Uh, masks or no masks? Vaccines or no vaccines? Democrat or Republican? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's everything you can think of. There are more questions being raised than answers being given. And the answers that are being given, I'm telling you what, I'm amazed how wrong people are. <laughs> I've never heard people have so many bad answers to easy questions. Easy questions, you know? But we live in that day and time that people are so confused. They don't know right from wrong anymore. And so finally, as much as we all long to return to a more stable, predictable future, that's likely not going to happen. And so as much as we can plot out a few likely trends, it's probably uncertain what really lies ahead. And so as COVID kind of fades away, trust me, we're going to enter into a new era of instability. I guarantee it, and unpredictability. Things that we have never seen in our own lifetime. And is that, to, is that to be negative? No, I just want you to be aware. This is where the world's going. I'm telling you, you're going to be like Noah, though. You're going to be above it. That's all. I'm just saying is just don't be amazed like, I can't believe that happened. I can't. You should never be shocked as Christians. You should never be amazed. You should never be like, oh, what happened? I was not prepared for that. Why? The Bible already talked about this. Remember, we've already, the Bible reads better than your local newspaper or better than your Yahoo News. Even better than CBN's news, Christian Network. You see, because the truth is, the Bible already talked about it. So my point is, don't be surprised. You should not be surprised by the chaos and the heinous crimes and the things that are going on in the world around. We should not be surprised. But just understand, that's the unpredictability of the world we live in. You know, we've seen in Texas, we now have a hostage situation because of some Pakistanian terrorist. You know, once somebody freed, that's part of his own Islamic faith. You see, this is going to happen. And people are going to get hurt. But you need to stay above it. If you ever, let me tell you, if you ever served God, this is really a good reason to serve him, is because tomorrow is so unpredictable. Because today is so unstable. If you ever want, needed a reason to serve God, be sure you serve God because there is no guarantees anymore. Okay? And... I believe that, I mean, think about it. We, have, we see the global supply chains uh, uh, issues. We see the surge in the gig econom economy. We see shortage in blue-collar and service sector workforce, surging stocks, the rise of cryptocurrencies, the exit and entry of people in and out of church in rapid numbers, Gro growing inflation, even a widespread drop in confidence in the institutional authority which makes it extremely difficult to trust, which means that there's no predictable path by which you and I can guarantee what tomorrow will be like. We cannot guarantee it. I can't guarantee it. God can only guarantee you one thing, his protection. That's the only thing he can guarantee you in this time, but he cannot guarantee you that the world won't make a decision that will create another unpredictable thing, a change. Amen? And so 
I just think it's extremely important that we get this in our hearts. So that way, when we think, wow, things are getting better. No, it might be getting better for you. That doesn't mean it's getting better for the world. That's what I love about serving God is that God always gives us a way out when the world is stuck. You know, there's nothing worse than being stuck. I remember one time uh, we used to call it rooting. Okay. Now, if you don't know what rooting is, that, that was a slang term we used back then, but it was basically four wheeling in a bunch of mud. Okay. So when I lived in Washington, I was out with a couple of my buddies and this guy had an amazing four wheel, four wheel drive truck. And, but you know, when you're out rooting, <laughs> when you're out there in that, we were out in the dark because we were next to what they call the Skagit river back in those days. And, and, and it would rain quite a bit up in Washington, you know? And so it had rained earlier that day, but in, when it created that, what that rain created some really deep mud holes. And I'll never forget his truck could just go about through, could go about through just about anything. And so we saw the mud, but we didn't know exactly just how deep that hole was because it wasn't very far from where we were going to go in and where we were supposed to come out. So we're thinking, no problem. It can't be that bad. We'd already gone through a few of them. We didn't get through this one. We got in there and the truck sunk so deep into the mud that it was up to the door panels. Well, we did everything possible that we could to try to get it out. We had to finally call a big, huge tow truck. And no exaggeration, when that thing, when it, he's sitting up on the dry, the, you know, the dry patch of ground, and he's pulling us, and it pulled his truck. Well, the reason is because when you get stuck in mud that deep where the, the bottom portion of the car is also in the mud, it creates a suction. And what happened, you could see the car and the mud go with the tru oh, truck as it was being pulled out, but it was also pulling his. Finally, his truck gripped, and all of a sudden, you go, and you could hear that truck, and it just like popped right out. And so this is where the world is. They're so stuck that it's going to take something like God to be able to get them out. You know, I know that's kind of a weird analogy, but you know what? <laughs> it is what it is, right? <laughs> but that's where the world is. They're extremely stuck, and they're really trying to figure out how to get out on their own without calling in the reinforcement and the strength of the Holy Spirit. That's called salvation. And this is why you and I are going to be there. Me and you are going to throw that lifeline because we're on steady ground. And we're going to give them the hope that they need to get out of that place that they're in, that stuck. That's why you and I need to be prepared all the time because you and I are going to throw it. And yes, it may be hard. It may be take some real convincing. It may take a little bit of truth. It may take more than one opportunity. But you will, in time, get them out because the truth of God's word will change them. And this is why we need to be very diligent in being prepared for every opportunity in this last day. Amen? Praise the Lord. So times are changing, which is why I believe it's necessary to understand that as the world changes from season to season, that God also has a plan for his church. It is also in its own season. Do you know that when the world goes through a season, that God also has a supernatural season for the church? And he designed that by nature. In fact, it's even designed in the, in the things that we know of. Normally, we consider a new season when the new year begins. That's when we do new resolutions. We make our commitments. We start fresh on our new disciplines. But in the spirit, seasons also play a huge role as to where God is directing us to go and, instru uh, and instructing us as what to do. 
So when he gives you a new season, and here's the thing, God's seasons, I don't know if he's ever really showed me that they're going to overlap. I think that what God knows at the beginning is that whatever he gives us at the beginning will be enough even when the world overlaps their own seasons. Because I believe God's one, if God only gave you one word, do you know that that one word is enough to defeat everything that the world brings bad into the world? If God just says you can, did you know that when troubles come your way, it doesn't matter what it is, and if a bunch of it comes, just the fact that God said you can, you can. That's enough. But praise God, he gives us more than one word, right? He gives us a whole bunch of words in his word. And so my point is that if he just gave you one word to live off of the rest of your life, it would be enough to defeat every problem that ever comes. But yet God says, no, I want to give you more than just a word. I want to give you more than just one good word. I want to give you a bunch. And so he gives it all between the pages of these two leather bindings, and it's filled with his glorious truths and wisdom and revelation. And man, there's nothing that I can't get through because of this. Oh, man, praise the Lord. That, that kind of gets me all excited. How about you? Amen. So we've seen according to, so last week I talked a little bit about Solomon in Ecclesiastes 3 and, and how Solomon understood times and seasons. And if you haven't listened to that message from last week, you need to go listen to it because he understood a depth of the supernatural in the spirit realm to understand what times and seasons were really marked for. And so We've seen that uh, Solomon understood its importance, but numbers are also equally as important to God, and often they're used symbolically and prophetically. So for instance, we're in the year of 2022, so what would that mean? Now understand, so I want to share with you a few scriptures before I share with you a couple of things that I believe 2022 means for us, okay? Now, um, and so, and you got to understand, God puts a high premium, is the best way I can say it. He puts a high premium on these types of things. He does. They need, we, and we need to realize just how important they are to God. So if they're important to God, shouldn't it be important to us? I believe it should. Um, and so I know some think that they're just fortune telling or wishful thinking. And I used to kind of believe that. I did. There was a time when I'm like, yeah, these ministers, they're just coming up with with a, with a new theme for the year kind of thing. And it's just kind of wishful thinking. It's, it's kind of more like fortune telling. But the more I dig into God's word and I find scriptures that, that validate the truth of how God thinks of times and seasons and numbers, uh, I've always known they were important, but I never really understood how important to the year, even though God has given it to us for years. I've never seen it until this year, how vital and important it is. And so I just want to uh, point out a few examples and you, and you don't have to turn to every one of them because I'm going to read through these quick, okay? But you can write them down. You can go back and watch the message and listen. But in Matthew chapter 10, verse 30, it says, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Why would God number something that seems so meaningless unless it wasn't important to him, right? It says, five of you shall, this is Leviticus 26, verse eight, five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall chase 10,000 to flight. Your enemy shall fall by the sword before you. So even the Lord says that, look, it only takes a small number to defeat a big number. So numbers, he's saying, this is what numbers are to him. Watch this. He says in second Peter chapter three, verse eight, but loved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. He's saying that even though you can't put a number on what he thinks is a day and what he thinks is years, understand something, it's all the same. It's all the same if you're a part of God's timeline. 
Watch this, Genesis 7-4. It says, for after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I've made. So we see that God did something truly amazing in Genesis chapter 6 and 7, where he destroyed mankind because of the, the rebellion against him. And the truth that he had said is the standard in the planet, planet. And he said seven days. Why? Because we know after the seven days, what? Rest. Seven is a number of rest. He's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to destroy it for six days, and on that seventh day, I'm going to rest on it. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to also do it for 40 days and 40 nights. Why? Because 40 is a number of restoration. That means I'm going to cleanse it so everything's going to be restored. You see, that's an important factor to these numbers. We see it in Scripture. Genesis chapter 50, verse 3, it says, 40 days were required for him, for such are the days required for those who were embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him 70 days. We're talking about Joseph here. Why 40? Because after that, it'd be a new thing that was going to happen. There was going to be a restoration of what, what Satan thought he was going to do against the things of God. This is why it says, whatever, whatever the enemy meant for their bad, God will turn for his good. And that's what this scripture is saying. But it takes a specific number to make those things happen. Watch Matthew 18, 16. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So it takes at least two or three to be considered a witness, but it takes two for agreement and three to establish it. That was the significant number, even in the Old Testament. That was an Old Testament rule. <clears throat> Acts chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. The word Pentecost is 50. It was 50 days after Jesus' death. It was 50 years after they came out of Egypt that they would celebrate. Why 50? Because 50 was called a jubilee year. And a jubilee year meant everything was returned that you had lost. Everything that was taken from you, you got back. If you were a slave, you got to be free. It, you, I mean, that was the jubilee year. If you owed somebody, that debt was considered done. You see, Jubilee year was God's blessing to the people. But why 50? Because that's what he made it. If he makes it that number, then that's good enough for me, okay? But you, my point is, is that numbers play a significant role in Scripture. And by the way, that's just a handful. There's a hundred or more of those. A hundred or more of those at least that numbers play a significant role in situations. Amen? And so, and we know that Jubilee is a cycle of anything that ends in seven. Seven days, seven months, seven years. And at the end of each of these cycles comes a rest. In fact, the number eight represents new beginnings. We see that. This is why what they would do is they would come and hand the priests uh, every year on the eighth day, the beginning of the new year, they would hand the priests their offerings. Why? Because they're saying, I'm wanting a new beginning for this year. And on the eighth day, you can't tell me numbers don't mean something to God. And, and the more I look into this, the more I'm like, you know what, Lord? There is something significant about this. And so God's using numbers and seasons and times to help us understand what he, what he wants to say, what he's trying to share with us, and the direction and the instructions that he's trying to give. Okay? And so... Why am I teaching this? This is this. Here's the main reason. Do you guys, you guys got to understand. Remember when I taught on Matthew chapter 24, things are changing. Understand, the Lord told us that these were the beginning of sorrows. He's saying that this is the beginning of a season. It's a specific season. It's called sorrows. 
okay? That specific season of sorrows would begin at a specific time. And he told us that it would begin. And these are, these are the signs that, you will, that, you'll, that, that, that will reveal when that, when that time comes. But it's through the signs we'll see it. And so we see in Matthew 24, Luke 21, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're living in that prophetic season now because we can see it by the signs. So if the Bible declares prophetic seasons, then we've got to trust that God not only has a, uh, that there's a, a prophetic calendar based on the prophetic word in the word, that God also has a prophetic calendar for his church. Okay. And so if he has a prophetic calendar for his church, we need to be extremely aware of what that thing is. You know, think about it. Talk to any farmer and he'll tell you when it's the season for planting and the season for harvesting. In fact, he's extremely aware of it down to the, usually the week or even days. I know because I've known many farmer friends myself, and they've got it down to a science that when they plant this day, they can almost guarantee within this, this window of time, this is when harvest is going to come. And they actually start preparing for it even before it gets there. And that's what God is doing is he's, he's made specific seasons necessary for the church. That way we're prepared for everything that comes in the world. Okay? So... Like I said, for every sinful decision that the world makes, it creates an overlap of seasons out of place. You see, this is, you got to understand that this, the things that we're seeing happening in the world, God has no desire for that. In fact, do you know it wasn't God's will? It wasn't God's will for Adam and Eve to fail. It wasn't God's will for us to fail. It wasn't God's will for the world to fail. He knew it was coming though. That's the difference. And so if anybody ever says, well, it, based off predestination, I don't have time to go into that, but a lot of people are pre, believe that predestination is that God has already determined how everything is going to play out. No, he doesn't. He just knows ahead of time what's going to play out. So it's not that predestination. I always tell people, You're, you don't believe in predestination. You believe in predetermination. That's a God that makes puppets. In other words, he's already determined if you're going to go to hell or if you're going to make it to heaven. That's called, that's not predestination. Predestination means that God already under, that God already preordained for you to have a specific purpose in life. Now it's up to you to fulfill it though. That's predestination. You talk to most ministers, they'll tell you predestination is predetermination. And it's not that at all. And why is that? You guys need to understand how important it is biblically because God did not make you puppets even though he knows what you'll choose to do. He already knows what you're going to choose to do. Now it's up to you, and now it's his goal is to give things into your life so that way you follow that purpose. And if you don't, that's not his fault that he already knew you would do that. See, my God's all-knowing, so he already knows your future by your choices. Amen? That's extremely important to understand. So it's not predestination uh, because God did not foreordain you to fail. What he did is he foreordained you with purpose, and you choose to fail. Amen? So that, that, by the way, is a, is a doctrinal teaching right there that you need to learn because a lot of people misunderstand the will of God and how it works. There's a lot of churches teaching, well, the, the whole Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe that only a certain amount of people are going to make it into paradise, 144,000. Well, let me tell you, I don't know why anybody would want to become a Jehovah's Witness now. You know why? Because the 144,000 have already been picked. Right? They've already been picked. 
So what's, what's the chance of you making it unless somebody slips out of place? I don't know. I don't know how that works. But it's already been picked. And they supposedly have 8 million followers. So 8 million, I guarantee the 144 has already been chosen. <laughs> so why would you want that religion if you're not going to make it into paradise? <laughs> Amen. Anyway, that's just a little whatever. <laughs> so basically... What's happening is, is that the people's decision-making, because of their choices, it's basically changing the spiritual climate as well. This is why we're seeing more supernatural attacks against your mind. The Lord even told us in Matthew chapter 24, if you read all of Matthew 24, after he tells you about the signs, what does he go into? He starts talking about the, 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 uh, the spiritual attacks against your mind. The deception is what it's called. Because Satan is going to work extremely hard. As the world sins and these signs start showing up, Satan jumps into action and starts spreading deception in the process. And that's what we're seeing like never before. So those are the two things you can count on. The signs that were revealed in the word and the deception of Satan. And so when those two things happen, we know we're in that prophetic calendar right now that the word of God talks about it. We're in it. So... But man, because of their sin, is creating this spiritual climate. And you're going to find that whatever people choose to do, it has spiritual ramifications that we can't stop because it creates a shift in the environment and the atmosphere. Let me ask you, how many of you, I don't know who I'm going to offend here. Okay, how many of you are old enough the good, to remember the good old days? Okay, we've all had good old days. Okay. Okay, there we go. I was going to say, if you're a certain age, but then I'm going to get in trouble because everybody just told me, you're the oldest man in the church today by Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> but I remember the good old days. In the good old days, how many remember, it was, you wake up, you play, you have a good time. The atmosphere was better. Remember those days? How many don't know that it doesn't feel the same anymore? That, that, that's the best way I can put it. It doesn't feel the same any longer. Why is that? Because the shift and the changes, even children are not the same anymore. You know, when I was growing up, our streets were filled with kids playing. Now, I'm not saying that there still aren't some streets that don't have it, but I see that far and few in between anymore. Kids riding their bikes around the block as much. Kids hanging out, you know, and you know, at one of the houses during the day because they have the video games and the, one of the parents loves to feed them chicken nuggets or whatever. You know what I'm saying? You know, they, they, they don't have those places no more. I remember we did. I remember all my buddies would come to my house and I'd bake a, we'd make a bunch of popcorn and, and, you know, we'd be munching on popcorn after school and then we'd play around the block. We'd go to my other friends' houses and play video games. And it was just back and forth and every, even the parents knew each other. How many of us don't even really know our neighbors really, huh? Except maybe a, hey, how you doing? And then we walk in. It's changed. And, and I understand why, because sin has changed the spiritual climate where you can't trust anybody, right? I don't just trust anybody with my children, even if they look great on the outside. The way it is anymore, people that you thought are great are on TV because of their predator, because they're pedophilial, pedophilial predators, pedophile predators, whatever. <laughs> Pedophilia. Anyway, that's a tongue twister for me. You see, my point is you, you don't know really who to trust anymore. And I get that. And so here we are, is that there's been a shift and a change in the environment and the atmosphere. And many things are affected by these spiritual changes or sinful changes 
because of the choices of people. We see this in scripture and God tells us there's a season specific to man's sinful decisions. Watch this in Jeremiah chapter 11. Um, And you know what? I didn't write down the verse. I believe it's verse one. It says this, how long will the land mourn and the herbs of every field wither? The beasts of the bir- beast and birds are consumed for the wickedness of those who dwell there. Do you realize that even the fields, even the land, even the animal world is being affected by our sin? Think about that. He said right here, the herbs of the field wither. It's a question mark. The beasts and the birds, the birds are consumed for the because of the wickedness wickedness of those who dwell there because they said he will not see our final end. In other words, he doesn't have the power to influence me or touch me. In other words, I don't want God's hand in my life. Do you know that even the animal world is being affected by sin? The plant world, we, I'm telling you, there are places that are experiencing drought that never saw drought. There are places that are drying up and they're not being replenished with water. And when they do, they get replenished with too much. It's like there's nothing in between. There's no go-between. There's no just, you know, right in the middle of anything anymore. Now it's too much of one thing. It's an extreme on either side of the spectrum. That's why we're seeing mudslides because we had great drought and fire a few months ago, now there's rain, and now we're having greater mudslides because there's no plants there to hold the ground together. You see what kind of world we live in? This is because of sin. Second Chronicles 7, just read all of the chapter. We always like the one, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their work. We, but if you read the rest of it, it talks about this is what happens to the land when you sin. I'm like, holy smokes, it talks about something completely different after that. He's just saying, though, I will heal the land. I'll even make your animals love you more. Because I got to get, if you'll, if you'll get rid of that sin. So I know that we're going to see change. And we know that the sins of the world have created an overlapping seasonal changes. So what does this mean for the church if it stays true to God? Matthew, uh, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 20 says, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. So God always has a corresponding action to refute or to resolve or distance itself from the problems of the world. So when man sins big time, I show up big time. Watch this in Matthew 13. I love this. Matthew chapter 13, verse starting in verse 3. It's talking about the parable of the seed. But I saw something. The Lord showed me something really interesting in this. It says, Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them out. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So we know what the seed represents. Who remembers what the seed represents? The word. So if the seed represents the word and the Lord, who is the farmer, who wants to harvest as many souls as possible, he's given out that good seed, even if it's through you, even if he's using you, it's still the Holy Spirit's work. You notice that three-fourths of them heard the word but gave up on God, but only one 
will receive either 100 or 60 or a 30-fold return? See, this is the point, is that even as bad as the world, even if three-quarters of the world gets ugly, God will take care of his other 25%. You're going to get a hundredfold. You're going to get sixfold. You're going to get thirtyfold. Let the world deny God and his word. Let the world deny the salvation that comes through the wonderful good news called the gospel. Let them deny it all. But I'm telling you, I've got a plan for the church. If just one stays right, I'll bless him immensely. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. And so here's where the good stuff starts kicking in. So I want to share with you two things really quickly. Because as usual, you keep taking up my time. <laughs> Are you guys having a good time? Is this good stuff? Okay. Amen. So watch this. And so there's two things that when the world gets worse and goes through its personal seasons, that God's response is, is that he gives the church its own season. And it comes in two ways. One, it comes in greater grace. Romans 5.20. It says, but when sin abounded, grace abounded much more. He gives it greater grace. We just read in Matthew chapter 13, verse 8, but some fell by the wayside, some fell by the stony places, and some fell by the, among the thorns. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. You're also going to get greater returns. Woo, I'm going to tell you right now, if you was poor 100 years ago, you don't have to be poor today. You say, oh, there's that prosperity message. Call it what you want. When the, sin, when the world sins, God wants to get it into your hands and out of theirs. Understand, I just read like five scriptures and I, and I wrote them down, but I, I'm not willing to preach on them. But I wrote down five, like five scriptures yesterday and they all deal with God owns the land. God owns the cattle on a thousand. God, this, God created it, therefore it's his. God, I'm like, oh, and I realize, wow, it's all throughout the scripture. It basically says it's his. Why? Well, let me ask you something. Would you guys trust a murderer with your corporation? No. But you would trust somebody that's proven themselves trustworthy. Who's the most trustworthy people in God's kingdom? It's his people. Why would he trust the world? The world is swayed to and fro. If they won't even serve him, they're definitely not going to do what's right with his goods. That's why I say, so if you prosper, and whether that includes just having extra money in the bank or millions and an overflow and an excess, who cares? That's God's way of saying, I trust you to manage it. That's what true prosperity is. So you're going to get greater returns. You know why? Because the world tends to lose things. And when they lose it, do you want it? I do. If they lose a building, I want that building. If they, if, 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 if they don't want the money, I'll take their money. And I'm not saying because I just need it for me. I really am. I'm a giver. God knows that. This is a pat on the back, but it's not intended to be, but it'll sound like it. You know, at the end of the year, we, we look at just how much we have going out, uh, coming in and what we have going out. And we don't do it because we're rich. <laughs> Trust me. I, that truck is 21 years old. It's, we're not rich, okay? It's not a Mercedes truck, okay? But my point is this, is that it doesn't matter. God knows that even with what we have, we'll just continue to give because that's just in our hearts. We gave out over 17.5% of everything we brought in. That's way above our 10%. And let me tell you, that other 7.5% really could have done some good for us. 
But you know what? I would also be lying if I really believed that too. It actually did better for me to get rid of it than keep it. That's why I'm still here and I'm able to preach with a happy face because God just keeps blessing me. You see, there's greater returns. So if there's greater grace, that means he's going to empower you to overcome the situations that the world's going to try to drown you in. No, he's going to provide the ship for you to stay above it, but he's also going to provide you greater returns. That means when the world is failing, that means it's coming to you. That, 30, that, that 160 and 30 fold doesn't appear out of nowhere. It's what the other three quarters didn't want. Understand that. The other three quarters that did not receive God's word is given to the 25%, the one that wanted it. And your faith is going to determine, and your lifestyle is going to determine whether it's 160 or 30 fold. Amen. So to understand, I, I, you know, I, I want to I share something in my, that, that I recently heard. I was actually listening to Sid Roth, a, a program. If you guys never listened to it, some really good stuff on there. Um, and I happen to be listening to uh, Cindy Jacobs, who's big-time prayer warrior. And he had asked her, you know, what do you see for 2022? And she said this. She says, this is the word that God had given her for the new year. Out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. God spoke to me about Isaiah 64. He said, I am about to make the nations tremble at my presence, and I will roar out of Zion. She said, Satan has done his shaking. Now I will do my shaking. And in 2022, God will make his name famous and he will show up in rural areas like brush fires all over the world. And I'm like, oh Lord, that's, that's really a confirmation because people like her who spend the quality time in prayer, because the Lord told me that what the, Lord's, what the world's willing to give up, I'm willing to bring to the church. And I'm like, Lord, so if you think 2022 is a bad year, it can only get better from here. <laughs> Believe that. Trust that. Stand on that. Stand on that. And so I believe that with all my heart that this greater grace and these greater returns, this is a very validation of what God has been saying. And so second, you know, and so the, look, the devil's doing everything possible to gain momentum. He's taking people out left and right that we know. People, good people. I can't believe how many people he's taken out. Good ministers that were so good at one time, they're flopping now. It's a, it's a disgrace. It's a disappointment. It's, they're disillusioned. They're stupid. It's just dumb to give up on God. That's the dumbest thing ever. Anyway, it's not because he's getting stronger. It's because of God displaying his power stronger in us. Remember, Satan has to work extremely hard to keep up with God. God does not have to work hard to keep up with the devil. Th that's a quote. <laughs> and why is that important? Because we think, man, Satan is working so hard, so then we got to pray even harder. I'm not saying not pray harder. I'm not saying pray more, not to pray more. I'm just simply saying is, but trust me, God doesn't have to work as hard as you think to defeat a devil that he already defeated. Well, we've got to go into that prayer and say, God, you've already defeated him. Every set of, every confusion, every condemnation, everything that he's tried to set against my life, it will not prosper. And Lord, it's done. When you stand in that kind of faith, you'd be surprised what little it takes to defeat that devil. But we don't. We give him way too much kudos, too much time, too much of everything, too much faith in him. Too much faith. So, Anyway, Satan's nervous, God's not. 
okay? And he should be nervous because he's about ready to be defeated. You know, in the grand scheme of everything, with Matthew 24 and Luke 21, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and so many other chapters that validate this and verify this, Satan knows he's about to, to come face to face with the king of all the universe. And it's going to be at Armageddon. And when that happens, guess what? He's done. He's done as we know it. All the work that he's done against you and me, he's done. And when God's done with something, mm-mm, that ain't good. I would not want God to say it's finished with me. It was finished at the cross, and it should never be finished again. I'm going to continue to keep moving forward with God. Every moment is a new beginning with him. I'm learning something new. I'm growing in him. You understand there's just so much more in God than Satan has to offer. Why would you serve somebody who's limited on his knowledge? When you can serve somebody who's unlimited. Hmm. Anyway, let's go on. I can talk bad about the devil all day. <laughs> and so there's, I was hiding it, so, you know. All right, so the next thing is, is this, 2022. The Lord showed me something amazing. I'd woke up one night, and this was back in December when he had showed me this. And he showed me something amazing in the middle of the night was that because we know the no, two is the number of agreement. Three, but there's three twos in that, which means it's going to, which means to be established. It's the first time and the last time in any of our history that we'll have three twos in this millennial date. And so the point is this, is that this year, if we will agree with his word, what word? Well, he's already given us the prayers. He's given us the prayers. That's part of what he does is he gives us his word, a, a new word, a fresh word, a word in season. This is the word in season. If you'll begin to agree with that, he'll get this established in your life. But not just that. He's also going to establish things that he's promised you. They're going to st- you're going to see the transition into the transformation that will take place in your life. There's been promises given to all of you. There's things for you. Watch this. In Romans, uh, because in Matthew 18, verse 19, it says, Again, I say to you that if two agree on anything concerning uh, on earth, concerning anything that they ask, it will be done by them, uh, by, uh, for them by my Father in heaven. And out of Ma- Matthew 18, 16, take you with you one or two or more by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So we see that this is extremely important, this number two and this number three. So there's three twos, and there's, you know, two in itself means the number of agreement. Three of those twos means that it's being established by the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, God's ready to establish his promises in your life. God wants to establish things in your life. Romans 1.11, I'm not going to go to every scripture and read it. But if you look, it's talking about he's wanting to establish his spiritual gifts in you. Like what? Healing. You know what? It's time for the church not to be afraid when they're talking with somebody that's sick, to say, can I pray for you? And watch healing happen. The miraculous, that's God's purpose in your life. He wants to establish that according to Romans 1.11. Romans 10, chapter 10, verse 3, and 16, verse 25. He wants to establish his law. In other words, he wants to establish that wisdom and that revelation and that conviction that comes from the law. How many of you would like to have greater revelation of truth? You don't want to just read the word. You want to see something deep in there. You're like, whoa, God, I want more of that. You want to find something addicting? Get a hold of a truth that you didn't know over a scripture that you've read before. I'm telling you what, you'll be like, oh, I want to read more. 
oh man, there has to be more in there. Yeah, because revelation, man, it just sparks something in you. <clears throat> but then 2 Corinthians 12, 1, Christ will be established in you. In other words, if you, 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 you won't even want him to leave. You won't want to leave him. And he'll, you'll stand firmer in the things of God when troubles come because Christ is established. When he's established, it's like a rock set. It's like, it's like your feet are planted in cement. That means when things rock you, Christ is there to hold you still. You're more established in the things of Christ. Uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. The work that you do will endure. So that means that the work that you do will outlast you. How many of you want to do works today that your kids can continue on even after you're gone? Amen. Uh, also, uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, and 1 Thessalonians 3, 2. It's your faith will become firmer. When things become established in your life, faith even becomes firmer. That means, I'm telling you what, anything you put your faith to, you're going to start seeing great, you're going to see greater results as a result of your faith. Man, come on. Some of us have been praying for things. Some just wants, some just needs. But God wants to answer that because he knows you'll be a better manager of the, even the things you want. He will. He knows it. Um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. You'll be so strong that Satan can't even move you. Ooh, man. Isn't that a good place to be? You know, the, you know, the only problem that people have is the lies that Satan tells them. If Satan wasn't around, do you think that we would have the problems that we have today? Probably not. That's why Satan keeps us on our toes. But do you know that when he does, you'll be so strong that he can't move you any longer? I'm telling you, man, your minds are going to be so strong. They're not going to just fall over like melted butter and just ooze out the ear. Well, I don't know what happened. You know, I wasn't ready for that. I didn't know Satan. I didn't know Satan was so, played so mean. Yes, he does. He hates the God you serve. Hebrews 8, 6. The biblical covenants, covenants and promises will be established in your life. That means there's multitudes of them. And by the way, those are just a handful of scriptures. All you got to go do is look up the word established in scripture, and you got to believe that those are the things that God wants to establish in our lives now. It's time in 2022. 2022. Oh, man, I got so many other good things I want to share. But let me just say this, as the Lord had showed us back a, a, a several weeks ago that we were in a time of transition, but the Lord also just recently showed me this. He said that the transition is starting to come to a close, and the look of transformation is taking place. Now you say, well, isn't transition and transformation the same? No. Transition, if you remember, we were in a year of transition last year. What was transition? It was time of change. We were in a year of change, and we have seen multitudes of changes, and now those changes are established in the natural realm. But the Lord told me this. He says, now you're at the level of transformation. He says, transformation means preparation. It's not about change. It's about what I'm preparing you for. Change means that you, just, you, you, you need to be aware of what's going on around you. Preparation means that I'm looking ahead now. That's all I'm focused on is what's ahead because I'm preparing for that future. You know, change, you just kind of go with the flow. When you're preparing for something, it's because you know that there's an outcome that you're waiting on. That's called the future. And so we're in the moment of transformation. Think about it. 
when, whenever, whenever we, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to, uh, it's kind of like taking in a car that needs Mako, right? That car could be beat up on the outside, paint, scratch, dents, you know, it, 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 it needs a real transformation. It needs some help. And so what happens is, is you take that car in. Why? Because while it's being transformed, while the transformation process is taking place, while they're working on it, hammering out the dents, putting the Bondo, putting the new paint, you're expecting the future because you know what it's going to mean, that it's going to come out being transformed. It's going to look completely different than what it did before it went in. You see, that's transformation. That's the process is that you already know the ultimate end. In a year of change, you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. We just know things are changing. That's all we know. And so that's, a t- that's when there's transition, transitioning. There's always a transition because God's having to do something new. God's having to try this. God's having to, prepare, to get you ready for this. God's having to make you aware of things because you don't really know what's going to happen. But in your transformation to when we come out transformed, you already know what's coming. You already know, you're going to look good. You're going to look real good by the end of this year. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And so I won't go any further because I've got some really good stuff I want to share with you next, next week on the seasons in, in, in the calendar and stuff, and, and the Hebrew calendar, by the way. And I believe it's extremely important for you to understand what that means for us, even the Hebrew calendar and how that affects us. Uh, but I want you to know that no matter what happens this year, Satan cannot destroy you. No matter how things come about, he can't defeat you. Your destruction is not even close to being near, even if it feels like it sometimes. I want you to know because you're in a year of God's word being established in your life to such a great degree that all his promises are coming to come to pass for you. They're coming to pass. And you say, well, I've been believing for a long time. Well, good, don't you ever stop believing. That's what true faith is. True faith, true faith is about mountain moving. It's, it's about moving mountains. But let me tell you something. Whether God takes a big, a big earth moving machine to move it one piece at a time or whether he destroys it with a bomb, you just keep praying until the mountain's gone. I remember an old story. There was an elderly lady that had lived about, about a mile as far as as far as walking was concerned from her church. And she was getting to the point where she was just a little too old to be walking because behind her house was a huge hill. And this hill went up quite a ways. And it was too big of a mountain or hill for her at her age to be able to walk over. And she didn't have the ability to drive. She couldn't see that well. But she began to pray. She goes, Lord, you said that my faith can move mountains. And I want to get to church. Because without that mountain there, she'd be able to get to church. Well, lo and behold, the county decided they needed to put a roadway through this area, and it happened to be where that mountain was. And in the process of putting that roadway, they were able to take out that mountain. Her walking distance was not only halved, but it was easy for her to get to church. And she had prayed that. I'm just saying is that you never know how long or when that's going to happen. But let me tell you something. When the mountains moved, you'll be glad you prayed it through. You'll be glad you prayed it through. 
So you can either whine about it being in your way or you can just keep praying until God does his work. I'm going to keep on praying and those promises are coming to pass. Amen. Just give them a big hand clap. Lord, we love you. Lord Jesus, you're so good. Mm. This is the year that God, that we're going to see promises established in our lives. Things that you've declared to us, Lord, even in the past or even this year, Lord, whatever it may be, that God, we're going to start seeing that transformation process. That process, because we know the outcome that God, you're getting us ready for. And God, it's going to look good in our lives. God, we're going to be financially healthy. We're going to be physically healthy. We're going to be emotionally healthy. We're going to be healthy in our spirit, soul, and body, mind, will, and emotions. In every area of our lives, in our work, Lord, in our neighborhood, in our home, we're going to be healthy. We're going to be healthy in our church. We're going to be healthy, Lord. And we're going to be ready, Father, for whatever you bless us with. Because this is the year, Lord, that God, things get done. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, and we receive that. And if you receive that, say amen. Amen. God bless you. You have a wonderful week. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Power Talk Podcast is brought to you by Powerhouse Church. You can find us at fellowship.fm and Spotify. If you would like more information, prayer, or want to contact us, go to powerhousechurch.us.